Blues by the Lake Podcast. My name is James, joined once again by my co-host Cody. Cody, how are you on this final Victory Monday? James, I am doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. <laughs> doing pretty good. We beat the Browns. We beat the Browns. Uh, I'm doing good. It was a good week. It was a good weekend. Uh, just having fun. You know, being young, being young. No offense, bro. No offense. <laughs> How are you wow, doing, bro. James? How are you doing? Wow, bro. Wow. All right. Listen, Shots fired. You woke up and chose violence. You I just did. Remember this. Let's just remember this today. <laughs> let's remember. I think it was on our Facebook memories just a few days ago that you tagged yeah. me in something saying that you were old enough to be my dad because you got questioned <laughs> to be my dad when we went out to the gas station one time. So, I mean, it's fair. fair. Just saying, old man. <laughs> the way this beard looks these days, it's it's within question for sure. You just need to get that gut going and you can play Santa now. <laughs> oh, boy, it's, it's bigger than you can tell on this pod. That's why I'm sitting down and it's not a long <laughs> shot, buddy. Fair enough, fair enough. But anyway, anyway, I'm doing well. It's Victory Monday. You know, we would have loved to have been in the playoffs. Uh, but with that a complete curb stomping of the Cleveland Browns, I'm just going to say cheers to you, I got my water. Pittsburgh Steelers. Cheers. cheers to my Pittsburgh Steelers. You went and you took care of business. Some things were just out of your control. Uh, nothing you can do about that, but you were, had one task at hand that was go ahead and dominate the Cleveland Browns, and they did exactly that. And it uh, should have so, been worse. It should have. They oh, had a fourteen-point oh, so swing. A fourteen-point so swing. Worse. It should have been uh, freaking what? Forty-two? No, hang on, math. Twenty-eight, thirty-five. Yeah, it should have been forty-two to fourteen or whatever or it seven, was really yeah seven because one of those was okay was so 35 to, to 35 to seven 35 to seven is what it should have been man Deontay catches that other one you're talking 42 can't connor hayward catches that other one no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> we scored on that drive we scored on that drive yeah, um yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah let's get right into it uh before the game steelers elevated defensive tackle Rennell wren for game day we've seen this a couple weeks now so far um so that's the news that's about all the news. Oh, of course, and the inactives. But um, let's talk about Ren real quick. Yeah, yeah. And I have a take on this. I think there's a reason why Pittsburgh elevated him the last two weeks in a row, uh, but did not actually play him either week. Uh, I think probably they would have if somebody would have gotten injured, but yep. nobody got injured. Uh, I want to see what your take is on it, though. I'm curious as to whether or not we're on the same mindset on this you know me sometimes my tinfoil hat's on a little bit too tight a little overthinking things sometimes so i want to see what your opinion is on this. you never know james we could be thinking the same thing so my initial thought with this is there you know he's being elevated for game day that's preventing him from being picked up by other teams that's keeping him on the team all this stuff about retaining him retaining 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 we know that a couple guys are going to be in the you know the free agency pool this this off season, a lot of the defensive linemen is actually going to be there. Um, with that being said, I also think that Pittsburgh is looking at all the things. They're looking at the draft. They're looking at players. They're scouting. They're looking at things that they need to prepare for. They need a corner. They need it. They probably need a safety. Terrell Edmonds isn't the answer long term. We know that. Uh, they need another middle linebacker. They potentially need more offensive line. They probably need a wide, another wide receiver with Deontay Johnson not catching the ball every freaking time. So they're looking at all these things and thinking, okay, what do we have to do? Where, where, where do we need to go? And I think that they're 
taking a chance on someone that they already have. They have in the room. They're they're getting the to see the capabilities and the coaches are working with them. I don't know that this is necessarily saying they like what they see. They obviously have to like it to a certain degree. He's still on the team. Um, but I think that they're preparing to, hey, what if this is a position we can't target as aggressively as we want to in the offseason or we don't retain the guys we want to retain from our team? This at least gives us another body in the room. That's my take on it. Yeah, I think that's a big thing on it is that um, last year you were able to protect four players off the practice squad every week. This year you could not. So people could poach people. Uh, other teams could poach players off your practice squad anytime they want to. They just have to sign them to their own 53-man roster. Uh, so by elevating them in the last two weeks, that protects them from being poached by another team uh, off of their roster onto another team. So now he's untouchable through the entire offseason, assuming they sign him to a futures contract. But like you were mentioning there, we got Tyson Alualu, Larry Ogunjobi, and Chris Wormley all on expiring contracts. Uh, I expect none of those three to be back personally. If any of them, maybe Chris Wormley, just because you could probably get them fairly cheap. Uh, I really wasn't impressed with Ogan Joby over the course of the season. I expected a lot more than what we got out yep. of him. And Alu Alu just seems like he's ready for retirement and let's let him go ahead and retire. Uh, but to me, you're looking at basically Cam Hayward coming back, uh, Montrevious Adams as the only nose tackle, and he wasn't a dominant one by any means. He was adequate at best, really. Uh, and then you've got the Marvin Leal, who looks like almost he might be more of an outside linebacker than a defensive end. We're not really sure. Uh, and that just leaves Isaiah Loudermilk. So it's a really, really thin group with Cam Hayward and a bunch of young, unproven guys. Uh, and I feel like that just gets another young, unproven body in the room with the right size, height, weight, strength kind of stuff. Uh, he's a 6'5", 315, big bodied dude. He was a former fourth round pick. Um, it's a pedigree guy too. There's no reason not to bring him back and, and get a good long look at him in the preseason. Uh, like you said, I think they're going to add to this room in other ways. They're probably going to add with a high draft pick, uh, hopefully within the first three draft, uh, first three rounds, uh, probably in free agency too. I wouldn't be surprised with a nose tackle in free agency. Uh, not enough bodies in this helps a little bit more by protecting this young man. So yeah, low key move, but I think a good one at the same point in time, because you never know what you can develop. Yep. I agree with you completely. Absolutely. Uh, inactives for the game, Mason Rudolph, Trey Norwood, Malik Reed, Kendrick green, uh, Tay Crowder and defensive tackle, Jonathan Marshall. Uh, those were yep. the, those were the inactives before the game. So let's go ahead and start this game. Um, First and foremost, I want to talk about the first drive. Uh, Let's do it. I was very frustrated, and James got to hear a lot about it in text messages. Uh, because, and this is my reasoning, and if you guys are listening, feel free to to comment on the video if you're watching on YouTube or, or message us or comment on Facebook, whatever. Let me know your opinion. Uh, all year, your team has struggled to get it in the end zone early and often, especially on those opening drives. You, Most of them were punts. And if you got done the field occasionally, you were lucky if you got a field goal. Your team comes out and has a phenomenal first drive. You get down to the goal line uh, and you have a run play on first down. Najee Harris, the offensive lineman, all stand up saying touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. They say, nope, call it short on the yard line. And Najee looks over and does this. Looking right at Coach Tomlin. Looking him dead in the eyes. You know where he was looking. There's nowhere else to look. Yeah, and they don't challenge the play. They show the replay. You clearly can tell that Najee scored a touchdown on the play. It wasn't even close. 
uh, ran second down, didn't get anywhere, ran a third down play. Najee tries to jump over the pile, fumble. Cleveland has the ball. My frustration with this, obviously, yes, the refs got it wrong. It was a hard view of the play. I get that. I'm not holding too much against the refs. That's a bang-bang play. Here's the thing. If you call that a touchdown, you can review it. All scoring plays get reviewed. That's the hard part yeah. with that situation. Um, quite frankly, I think the NFL should at this point just review most of the plays in the in the red zone at least. Um, yeah, if they're close like that, I mean, I, I feel like you should. Not matter if you want, if you I, want the game to be good like that, it, it, all, allow that to be up in New York or some other where, like somewhere else, and they say it was a touchdown or it wasn't. It's it that would have taken all of five seconds. I understand you want a, the game to move smoothly and this and that, but that's a game changing play potentially on the first drive. My frustration is with Mike Tomlin, and it's a very high frustration when you have your team that has struggled all year to score on opening drives, has struggled to get in the end zone on any drive. And then your running back, who is a very good man, he's like, it's not, I'm not saying that that matters a lot, but Najee is a hard worker. And every, you know what I'm saying? Like Najee was like, I was in. Tomlin, you need to show your players that you have their back, you believe in them, and you believe what they're telling you, and you need to throw that red flag. With how adamant they were that he scored and he scored, like, Throw that red flag, show your support, get your team that touchdown on the board, and you're up seven nothing right off the bat rather than going down seven nothing like what what happened. So I truly wish they would have challenged it because I felt even in live play, it was extremely obvious to me that he was able to get the ball across the the plane into the end zone. Um I kind of understand to a degree because that decision to go for it on second down was made like immediately. I don't think the coaching staff got to even see a replay inside the stadium before they had already sent the next play out there. And part of that is that they've had so much success on the QB sneak this year, especially in situations where they rush it and don't allow the defense to get prepared for it. Yep. So I almost feel like it was Tomlin saying, oh, okay, you're going to screw me. I'm not going to let you get ready for the next play. Good luck. Uh, yeah. Because he knows his success rate on that play this year has been like 95%. Uh, it just so happens that the Browns were able to, to to act tough and get stout on the inside and stuff it. Uh, and then worst case scenario with that fumble on third down. Uh, I was frustrated as well. And it was the, the, the lack of challenge. Um, I was more frustrated that the referees missed to me what was such an obvious touchdown. I didn't think it was close at all. His, uh, knee, I mean, his knee the, got close to the ground, but once you rewatched it, you could tell it didn't. It didn't the get very close. Entire football was past the end zone, like the entire thing. It wasn't like just the nose. The whole thing was in the end zone, uh, so it kind of put a real bad taste in my mouth on the refereeing right out of the gate of this game. Yeah, uh, and there were some calls that went both ways. Uh, but I felt that it, personally Cleveland really got a, a big assist a number of times in this game that helped them. Uh, and right out the gate, it should be 7 nothing, but it's negated by refereeing, which is an awful way to start the game off. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat to you on it with a little bit more understanding on, on, why, on why he made the decision that he did just because of the previous success of, of the play that was called and put yep. in there. Yep, it makes sense. I get it. Um. With that being said, uh, I don't want to linger on that too much. I also want to backstep just a hair. Uh, we forgot to do this a little bit. Damar Hamlin 
we didn't get the chance to talk about him. Demar Hamlin is uh, back in Buffalo. Was uh, released from the hospital in Cincinnati today. So prayers still for him in the recovery process, but just a cool thing um, for all that to go. And then even the cooler thing, real quick, again, just a little pause in our show here talking about the Steelers football. Uh, yeah. uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch the interview with Josh Allen after the Bills game, go watch it. It was a good interview. Uh, Josh Allen talked about the kick, the opening kick return for a touchdown uh, against the New England Patriots, and it, he said it just felt you know magical or whatever, and he goes on to say, you know, God's real, which is cool to me being a believer. Um, but when you look at the stats and you look at everything and and then the one of the coach told him it's been three years and three months since the Bills have had a kickoff return for a touchdown and DeMar Hamlin happens to be number three. Uh, he got a little emotional, to say the least. <laughs> so it was, wow. uh, it was a great time. Good interview. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. So again, we're we're very happy for Demar Hamlin and on his journey to recovery that he is heading back to Buffalo to be with his family and his teammates and all that stuff, uh, and to be with them as they prepare for playoff football. So I'll tell you what, Cody, I'm hearing now that there's actually a possibility of a full recovery for him and a return to football. Yep, which is incredible, man. Uh, not enough can be said about those uh, first first responders there and, and everyone else that had their hands in helping him return to health. Yep. Um, absolutely. Absolutely incredible. Uh, speaking of returning to health, let's talk about the Steelers offense. Woo, this baby. is one of the biggest performances of the entire season as far as points scored by Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. So just an absolutely incredible move in the right direction. If you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. So Kenny Pickett starting off the bat, not his best game. But I still think we got to see a lot of good growth out of him. And again, I'm going to go over the numbers the same way I did last time, which we'll get to that. Uh, Kenny Pickett, 13 of or 13 of 29 for 195 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Uh, great. I love the yardage. Um, we can win in a divisional game with that kind of yardage passing. And then we can also win when you're not turning the ball over. The zero interceptions is what really matters to me right there. Um, yeah. I thought Kenny Pickett did play well. I thought late in the game he was putting balls where they needed to be um players were or were not catching them that was just the way it was uh we got to see a lot of uh ability for him to escape a sack and get away from players and stuff like that and extending the plays i loved seeing what we did the one third down play when he made a a falling pass to jalen warren and jalen warren managed to get a first down on that play make a guy miss phenomenal play from both kenny pickett and jalen warren uh was really happy with kenny and his growth throughout the season but even in this game as the game went on yeah yeah, you almost have to say it's a tale of two halves as far as the seasons. First half, uh, Kenny, and then second half of the season, Kenny, completely different guy. Almost never turned the ball over in the second half of the season as to where he had, what, six turnovers in two games in the first half of the season. You know, yep. he had two, three interception games. Uh, and then the second half, we saw, what, maybe one or two interceptions in the last nine games. Uh, so incredible turnaround. Uh, I think everything else will come with time uh, and also depending on who you throw the ball to, right? Because certain guys only caught 20% of the balls thrown their way. Uh, and it's tough to have a really high completion percentage when your so-called number one receiver is playing like a number four or five. Yep. Uh, so that, and again, dropping balls in the end zone and not keeping his feet in bounds in the end zone. And yeah. You know, yep. Yeah, and here, here you expect more out of a professional. Yes, and here I'll get into it right now because we kind of already did. We can talk about the running backs after the fact. 
Um, yeah, let's go wide receivers and then hit the running back. Yeah, so Deontay Johnson, two receptions for 38 yards, 19 average. That's phenomenal. It'd be it'd be a phenomenal stat line if he had two targets, but he didn't. He had 10. If it was one quarter's worth of play, maybe. Yeah, it was 10. He had 10 targets on the day, caught two of them. Uh, dropped one. Dropped. Dro- dropped. A couple. He, uh, yeah, he dropped a lot. Uh, yeah. I can think of four off just off the top of my head. But with that being said, he didn't win you, a contested catch all game, did he? Nope. Not a single one. If you take away his stats right now, Kenny Pickett's sitting right right over thirty three. Um, th- he's like he's like forty percent completion, roughly. Uh, forty four on the game, forty five almost. Forty. Okay, so forty four. You take away just the Johnson drops and even receptions, he's sitting at eleven of twenty nine, which is over fifty percent. 11 of... Or 11 of 19, excuse me. 11 19. of 19. Yeah, because 13 to yeah. 29, so 11 of 19. So you're talking about 60% completion. Yep. Yeah. Deontay's heard... And, and I, it doesn't... The stats don't matter. We'll get to that. Like, whatever, whatever. You want your rookie to have good stats. Every player wants to have good stats. It's not about the stats. It's the fact that you're making other players look bad because you're dropping the ball. Because you're not doing your part. And here's the thing. For, I've gone back and forth a long time about are we being too hard on Deontay? Is Deontay in his own head? Did he did he have a bad year? Did this or that? Deontay just sucks, man. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. You Deontay's clutch ability, and this is something you've said, Deontay's not clutch. Deontay has not a clutch bone in his body. He doesn't. It, like I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm a diehard Steelers fan. Clearly, we have a podcast. We're analyzing the game. We're analyzing players. We're analyzing their play. Deontay sucks. How many times has he dropped balls? How many times has he... What are you doing with all your Steelers stuff? (laughs) We're big Steelers fans. Deontay's horrible, man. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. How many times do you give up on plays and allow your quarterback to get intercepted on? And it didn't just happen to Kenny. It happened to, to Big Ben. It happened to a Hall of Famer. You were giving... Zero effort for a Hall of Fame quarterback. How many times have you chosen to not block on a play? Like, it's just, it, it's not, it's not even his ability as a player. It is his effort. It is his motivation. Mm-hmm. It's just not there. How do you let a safety track you down on your way to the end zone? We're not talking about like a 4-3 flat safety. Like, that should have been a touchdown on that first drive. He gets many, run down at like the two-yard line, and then they end up not punching it in. How many times have we seen him catch a ball for a first down and then run backwards and not get the first down? He did it in this game, and he was very lucky that they called it an incomplete pass. He caught the ball, ran backwards. They knocked the ball out. It looked like a sure fumble to me. You nailed it and told me, hey, man, this There's is incomplete. No way. He didn't take yeah. enough steps. Boy, was it close. Boy, was it close, man. It was like three steps, but he needed three steps in a football move. Yep. He he got away with it on a technicality. It's 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 just unfortunate to see a wide receiver that I think has the skill. I think he has the ability to do it. He wouldn't be in the NFL if he didn't. He wouldn't no be a number one or two wide receiver on a team if he didn't. They wouldn't, wouldn't have, round they wouldn't have traded Chase Claypool away if they didn't believe he has the ability. Yeah. He just has no self-motivation or freaking 
I don't even know. I don't even know, bro. He's got to figure it out, man. He's got to figure out where the the end zone is and how to keep his feet inside of it. He's got to figure out where the sidelines are and keep his feet inside of it. And he's got to figure out which way is going forward and which way is going backwards. And he has to remember how to hold a ball when you catch it. Yeah, all those three things have been major issues this year. And and, and I swear this year, people are going to point at his drops and be like, yeah, the drop percentage isn't that bad. They were all in the end zone or on third down, every single one of them. He didn't drop a ball on first or second down. Always on third down or always in the end zone. Yep, pretty much. And that that's probably not an actual fact. He might have dropped one or two on first no, or second down. I don't think he did. <laughs> but James is being passionate right now, and that's fine. But a, a, a massive – he. He ended the season with zero touchdowns and not due to lack of opportunity, not due to lack of opportunity. 86 catches. Like almost 900 yards, maybe over 900 yards. I don't know. Like, what are we doing here, man? Just by accident, you should have been able to get in the end zone once. I want you to continue talking about these wide receivers real quick while I look something up. Just just go. I'm going to move on. Let's talk about a guy that has all the promise in the world and seems to have all the clutch factor in the world, and that's George Pickens, man. In this game, three catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. Every catch was absolute money. On the sideline, contested catch over the middle, knowing exactly where the weak spot is in a defense. Uh, the guy just gets it, uh, and, and Kenny trusts him. He knows he can throw it to him, and he's going to win those combat catches. Uh, you have to feel really good about the season George Pickens had as a rookie. You have to feel about the promise going forward. You have to feel good about the connection that he has with his starting quarterback and what we should be seeing from the two of them for the next three years as they play together, hopefully for a lot longer than that. Uh, We'll see what the next few years hold for George Pickens, but you have to feel really good about how good of a year it was for him. Uh, And again, one touchdown pass in the game went to George Pickens. Yep. Yep. So led the team in touchdown catches, right? Four catches. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else had more. I don't think so. So going down the list of stats, like leaders and stats for this year's uh, NFL stats, the receiving yeah. re- leaders and everything. Uh, yeah. Going off of receptions, going in order of receptions, greatest receptions to least. Uh, Deontay had. Let me see this again. It's right here. Deontay had the fifteenth most receptions, so top fifteen in receptions. So had, really good. had yeah had zero touchdowns we've already been over that if you exclude really the bad. one if you exclude the one player in the top 40 who had one touchdown because he was a running back not even a receiver and then you go down for whoever was the next person with zero touchdowns it's also a running back at number 60 saquon barkley the next guy down is also another running back with josh jacobs at 69 and then finally you get to Khalif raymond the 84th overall in receptions with 47 who happened to have zero, who was in a Detroit offense that was mostly run offense this year anyways. And Amon uh, Ross St. Brown. I just like And Amon Ross St. Brown. And then you go down and the next guy at zero is Michael Carter, who is a running back at a running back for the Jets. And then you go down and you see a Ben Squarenick, a wide receiver for the Los Squaronic. Angeles Rams, who I don't even yeah. know how to say, who had thirty nine receptions. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are we doing here? You're as good as a no-name player. He had 39 receptions. He caught as many touchdown passes as you did. Yeah. And guess what? He only averaged one yard less per reception than you. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And guess and people what? People were complaining about Juju last year. Man, I'd give anything to have Juju's stats from last year versus what we got out of Deontay this year. His his catch percentage on targets. I'm not because obviously you can't go over drops because we can't know the. Spe- I mean, you probably could. I don't know this. Yeah, list. it's a it's all objective with drops. That's yeah. The dro- tough so part on it. so let's see if we do his stat number. He caught fifty eight percent of the balls passed to him. Ooh, wow. So, in other words, he missed almost half of them. It's not a good look. It's not a good look. When when you look at the top guys in the NFL who are getting paid like they should be, uh, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go top three just out of curiosity. Top three receivers. Sixty nine point five percent catch percentage from Justin Jefferson. Okay, all right, seems pretty good. 70% 70% catch reception from Tyreek Hill. Travis right. Travis Kelsey is up there, but I'm not going to do his numbers because he's a tight end. Uh, the do next me guy, a favor and do George Pickens for me. Try to find George Pickens on this list. I can do and that. Let's see what his catch percentage is. I'm also very curious as to what Pat Fryermuth's catch percentage is. I'm betting both of them are way higher than what we got out of Deontay. I'm going to move down the list while you're trying to chase Go those for numbers it. for me real quick. Uh, Connor Hayward, I think. Uh, is the next guy we should talk about in the receiving game because uh, Connor brought his A game in this game here. 64.2 really... for Pat Fryermuth. All right, so we're already talking 6% better than Deontay Johnson. Yeah, okay, continue uh, on. And then, then George Pickens, our next one on that list. Connor really put a t- together a really nice game as a receiver. Uh, Pat Fryermuth went down injured in this game. We did find out. I'm going to do the spoiler on it now. This is an ACL or MCL sprain. Uh, he lucked out on this one. Not a complete tear. He's not going to require surgery. Uh, so uh, this is something that when in a matter of a couple of months, uh, Fryermuth should be in pretty good shape again and ready to go. And we'll definitely be, be ready by the time uh, spring and summer ball comes around. 62% for George Pickens. Wow, so both of them are a decent amount higher. Four percent for George and six percent for Pat. Yeah, yeah. but and and four percent on a mat like that he got half as many passes thrown to him. Yeah, yeah, sounds right. Yeah, I mean it's eighty four to one hundred and forty seven. So that is what it is. So yeah, I was going on about Connor Hayward having a real nice game. He had one <laughs> in the end zone that he could have probably caught for a touchdown, but yep. it was a difficult catch, a little bit behind him, unable to squeeze his hands. But I felt like difficulty at catch for Connor was very high in this game, and he kept on bringing him in, man. Yeah, two uh, so, two in a row on the sidelines. Yeah. Yep, and, and drastically, like, over his head, thrown for a six-foot-six guy, but he go, went up and got it, and he's only six foot. I was impressed with him, man. Uh, and this is what his tape said. His tape said this is a guy with really good hands coming out of the backfield or going out as a tight end, however you want to use him. Um also, Zach Gentry got himself a nice catch for 23 yards. Yep. Uh, really uh, helped move the chains and sustain a drive there as well. Uh, so nice to see some involvement from him. Uh, in your, You, you kind of hope that he gets brought back next year. I know Zach didn't make a huge impact on the offense, uh, but you do feel like his, his progression from year to year has steadily increased uh, in what he may be able to be next season with another uh, offseason. Who knows? Yeah, so let's, uh, let's look like at this. I'd see it in Pittsburgh. And I'm not trying to be on the, excuse me, I'm not trying to be on the Deontay Johnson smackdown train right now, although it's happening. Yeah. Um, looking at even just this game number-wise, Pat, yeah. if you subtract Pat Fryermuth, who went out with an injury, 
Jalen Warren caught 75% of passes thrown his way. Najee Harris caught 100%. Zach Gentry caught 100%. Uh, Connor Hayward caught 75%. And George Pickens caught 50%. Deontay Johnson, 20. 20, yeah. That tells tells you everything. This one stat game can tell you everything you need to know about Mm -hmm. the wide receiver situation. So let's move. Do you want to move on to running backs? Yeah, let's head back to the running backs before we go over to the defensive side of the ball, and we'll probably touch on the O-line a little bit as well. A little well. bit. Um, yeah, so um, running game was was good, man. Um, I'm not going to call it like completely dominant, but they were able to continue moving the ball all game long. Uh, Jalen Warren really put a nice effort in off of the bench in this game, uh, and Najee just kept on pounding the rock all game long, man. Positive yards almost every single play. Again, lacking the the long run, but that's kind of Najee's style. He isn't really the guy that busts loose for some big, long runs. Uh, but what he does is punish you, and we saw it early in this game uh, when he stiff-armed Miles Garrett to the ground as if he was like a 180-pound cornerback. Uh, so just interesting to see the matchups, how this went, and when uh, Miles had a fair fight against somebody also highly skilled. Man, it didn't go didn't go so well for him. When he didn't get the cherry pick his matchup, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about that yeah. now? Yeah, let's talk about it, man. I want to put it out there because I've been saying this for years now. Uh, and Browns fans have always been like, no, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. But here's the truth of it. Jadavion Clowney was interviewed by Mary Kay Cabot. And what he said is you guys are trying to worry about getting somebody into the Pro Bowl. But there's 11 guys on defense. He put it out there and he said Miles Garrett is getting the easiest matchup every single week and he's sick of it. They asked him, Do you think he's coming back? He said, I'm 95% sure I'm not coming back next year. Why would he come back? He's getting the toughest matchup every single week. Yep. Miles getting the easiest one every single week. Where'd he line up this week? Opposite Dan Moore Jr. every single snap. When I watch him play, I see him move all over the place, depending on where the weak spot is on the on the opposing team's offensive line, sometimes on the right, sometimes on the left. On games where people have bad guard play, he lines up a lot on the inside on pass rushing downs. And there's an aspect of that that I understand, but it's more of an offensive... It it, it happens more on offense than it does defense. On offense, you're looking for mismatches. On defense, however, you typically have guys that are good in their specific situations or their specific roles, and they have to play who they're up against. If, and sometimes you have the battle of the best on the best. Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns just don't want Miles Garrett to go up against the best. They want him to look better than what he actually is. They want him to pad his stats. They're trying to get him into the Hall of Fame, this, that, and the other. And you know what? They're probably losing games because of this. Because you have other guys on the team that are getting drained their energy-wise. They don't get a break. And Miles Garrett's just going over there you know, getting his, keeping his energy and They're losing high. buy-in. They're yep. losing buy-in from the other players because they see it. They're not dumb. They're not naive. Why do you want to go out there and bust your hump when your coaches are literally putting you in the position to have the least likely chance of success every single week and cherry-picking someone else to try to have the best chance of success every yep. single week? And this is a guy oh. played with him for two years. Hang on. The Browns coaching staff is calling in right now, actually. Hang on one second. Oh, hi. No, Thanks yeah. for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. Thank you for the update. We know. 
I'm still a piece of garbage. I'm still a sack of garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I knew uh, it. I love it. So, oh, and they're minus their defensive coordinator. They fired him already. We don't care. Cleveland. <laughs> you guys are just so stinking bad at this football thing. Oh, yeah. And then in contrast, you see Cam Hayward lining up in the same spot all game long. Opposite Joel Batonio, their best offensive lineman. What do you do? Got himself two sacks. Yep. So he didn't cherry pick the matchup against the worst offensive lineman on the other team. He went against the best one and had better production. Shocking. And he's not even our best pass rusher. Shocking. No, and our best pass only rusher are... only had a sack on the game. Or is he yeah. our best pass rusher at this point? We don't know. <laughs> Starting to wonder, 14 and a half is a hell of a total for Ty Smith, man. Mm. Uh, and real quick, before we go full transition into the Steelers' defense, uh, Steelers' offensive line had a pretty nice game. Uh, overall, not a ton of pressure allowed. Uh, Dan Moore did get beat once by Miles Garrett, but we all know Miles loves that matchup. Uh, his first game against Dan Moore, he absolutely brutalized him last year. Uh, Dan did a lot better the second game, uh, and then by now Dan's holding his own against him. So you're going to lose once in a while in a matchup like that when you're talking about a fourth-round offensive tackle versus a high first-round pick. Um, but Dan held his own for the most part, and I feel like the offensive line in general did a pretty good job on this game. Uh, but not as good as that defensive front seven did, that's for sure. Uh, we really got to see what these guys were made of in this game. They held the rushing attack uh, without really going off on Pittsburgh. Uh, and the uh, honestly, I only felt like there was one guy who didn't have the greatest game. Unfortunately, that was Mark Robinson. He got yeah. a lot of playing time early, missed a few tackles. They removed him from the game and plays, played a lot of Miles Jack after that. Uh, and it seemed like Miles had a little bit better nose for the ball. He's just coming to... Miles is a little bit better at just coming to balance before trying to tackle somebody as to where Mark Robinson was looking to rip somebody's head off, yep. uh, which is great if you make full contact and take him down, but he wasn't, uh, he kept on missing. So yep, getting uh, a little ahead of himself. He had a good first game and I think that got to his head just a little bit to where he was playing with a little, little level, le little higher level of confidence than what he should have uh, put him in some bad situations. That's all. I, yep, I sometimes you got to break down. Yeah. I expect sometimes that to be break fixed. down before the tackle. So obviously the front, you know, the front t seven did very well. Uh, you know, when you leave a game with seven sacks, um, it's a solid, solid performance to say the least. Um, yeah. Looking at the secondary, when your secondary winds up getting two interceptions, we take those. Absolutely. And, you know, I should have checked before we started the game. Maybe this is something you can find while we're talking about this. Uh, but when Pittsburgh got that second interception, we got one out of DeMonte KZ, and then later on in the game, one from Levi, Levi Wallace. Wallace uh, that put Pittsburgh to 20 interceptions on the year, which put them number one in the NFL for team interceptions at the time. Now, four o'clock games hadn't happened yet. The night game hadn't happened yet. So I don't know how those turned out, how many interceptions those teams got, and whether or not anybody passed Pittsburgh. Uh, but Pittsburgh possibly did end up with that title. Also, Minka. I don't know if anybody passed Minka. Four-way tie for first with Minka at six. Nice. So Minka ended up tying for first place in the NFL in interceptions with six interceptions. Uh, what an incredible year for the secondary, man. You know, six picks by Minka, four by uh, Levi Wallace, three by Cam Sutton. Uh, you had one from... Uh, 
from Arthur Mallette, uh, two from KZ. Uh, just a, a really nice, well-balanced uh, group effort there as far as the interceptions. And it looks like you might have an answer on who finished first in the NFL in interceptions. As a Two-way team. tie for first. <laughs> Pittsburgh and Dallas? Nope. Dallas nope. wasn't even top five. No? Who was the other team? San Francisco 49ers. Oh, okay. I'm a Tolano Hufanga. I can, I can be okay with that. Yep. Yep, uh, and only one interception touchdown for Pittsburgh. Could have easily been two, but Minka just playing for the team, not himself. Uh, yep. So we'll take that for sure. So the first year Pittsburgh doesn't lead the NFL in sacks in five years. Uh, they lead the NFL in interceptions. So you know what? It's a, it's a new secondary. It's a new defense. Uh, I'll take it, but I do feel that there's a really strong chance that Pittsburgh's going to put – a, a high draft pick but that's that my point front. we led in interceptions with a mediocre secondary mm-hmm. not including minka it's when mediocre I'm... at best not including minka yeah. it's mediocre at best like that's crazy and I, that's a crazy and i think that shows the what having the solid like the defensive front forced how many of those interceptions let's be real and yeah. then on top of that the the just the presence of minka forced how many interceptions because you had to throw somewhere else that there probably wasn't as good of a matchup or it was probably tighter coverage, but you're still like, I'd rather throw here than throw to Minka, even though this five yards of space here and only one here, like it's crazy what can happen when you can put guys in situations like that. Yep. Absolutely, man. Uh, Put some guys in some nice situations. Cam Sutton uh, really put together a nice year. It's going to be very interesting to see how hard Pittsburgh goes after attempting to retain him because I don't think it'll be cheap. No, I don't think it'll be cheap. I think he was double digits on pass breakups and three interceptions on the season. Uh, that's not something that just any corner does. And I'm not saying that I think he's a number one because I still don't. But I think he's a really good number two. Um, and I think we saw that Levi Wallace is a capable number two as well this year. Yep. Uh, the question when remains, he stays healthy. Yeah. Who's the number one? Is Akello Witherspoon able to come back and become that number one? We were hoping he would this year, and it just didn't happen. Is something uh, going to happen with Jackson William Jackson? They got him practicing again before the season ended, but we never got to see him in a game. What's going to happen? Are they going to bring these guys back in the offseason? I think so. I think we'll see them both back, but hopefully Cam Sutton as well. That'd be a real nice uh, group of four if that were the case. Uh, but. It- it would be. It would be. Let's talk about the uh, the special teams from this game, Cody. Yeah, so special teams-wise, you had Chris Boswell, uh, Boz for president, two for two Boz on field goals, two for two on extra Perfect points. Game. We take that from Bozzy, Bozzy, Boswell. Um, you know what's ironic is in in previous years, it seemed like Boz would miss three or four extra points every season. This year, he was perfect on extra points and just struggled with his field goals. He flip-flopped it. I'd rather have the field goals, yeah. uh, but okay. You know, at least he was perfect somewhere on the season, and he straightened it out on the final week. Gives you a little more confidence going into the season. I also feel we should have more confidence going on Presley Harvin the third, we he should. had a really nice end of the season. He had a, a nice performance in this game. Season. When you look at his total season numbers, uh, he got that total net yards on the punt up around like 44 and a half, 45 yards per punt. Uh, almost a third of his punts were touchbacks. Uh, I'm sorry, not touchbacks, but inside the 20 yard line. Uh, he put some nice numbers together, and I really felt 
like gave us enough at the end of the season in the second half of the season to feel a lot more confident about him going into next season. So uh, I'm a lot happier now with the special teams efforts of those two guys than I was probably like three or four weeks ago. Uh, I think just both trending in the right directions. I always have faith in, in Boz even when he's struggling uh, because I remember him having a season before where he missed seven or eight kicks and then he came back the next year and missed only one the entire year. He was like 31 or 32 or something crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't have anything other than faith in Boz. Uh, but yeah, even Steven Sims doesn't look like a bad return, man. We'll see if they give him some competition. If maybe Calvin Austin the third can give him a run next year. I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, with that being said, uh, I do believe Presley Arvin had a good game. Obviously, one was inside the 20. I think it wound up being inside the five, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah um, you're right, it was. Yeah, and then Steven Sims on the zero kick returns. They were all touchbacks, but three punt returns for 20 yards total, 6.7 average. Not horrible. That does it for the special teams. That does it for the game. Again, Pittsburgh wound up winning this game against Cleveland, 28-14 after going down uh, 7-0 early. They wound up being 20-7 to at one point, which was very impressive to see them come back and, and make that that swing of scoring. Um, injuries, we talked about Pat Fryermuth. We also talked, or we're, we also need to mention Gunnar Olszewski went out with an injury at some point in this game. Uh, oh, I don't right, know yeah. the extent of that injury, unfortunately. Um, but it looked like a knee for him, too. It did. It was a definite knee. But hopefully we can see some kind of update and update you guys, whether that be through Twitter or uh, Facebook, if we see something pop up. Um, before we move on to talk after stuff, um, I want to finish this game off real quick by mentioning there was some stuff going on around, on Twitter about the late in the game. I think it was the last sack we had. Alex Highsmith, uh, one of the Steelers players, came over. I don't even know who it was at this point. Uh, came over and did the whole CPR celebration on his chest, bumped it three times. Uh, I personally don't believe that that was done with ill intent. I don't believe that was done to pay respect either. I'll be honest. I don't think it was like three pumps for DeMar Hamlin. I don't, I don't think any of that. I think they were just celebrating in a way that the teams have been celebrating for years about pumping people's chests up when they do sacks or when they get sacks and stuff like that. Uh, to the point where I, I believe, James, you said that celebration is in Madden this year. I haven't played the game this year, yeah. but uh, it, it's yeah. there was no ill intent. It was blown up by horrible fans who ha lack any kind of common sense to players celebrating and being happy for their team and this and that. Sure, w will I admit that the timing, it was ill-timed? Do I admit that maybe the player got caught in the moment and didn't think appropriately in the situation sure absolutely i think if the player was thinking demar hamlin at that exact moment i do not think that would have happened on the field but unfortunately no. they were in the heat of a moment against the division rival having a really good game defensively to get seven sacks and they were celebrating with their teammates i do not hold anything against them and i am totally fine with that and i want to get that out of the way because i was very passionate about uh against people who were so passionately saying that pittsburgh is a uh, horrible class act and this and that yeah, and yeah. disgusted completely classless yeah yeah i i think if if you're holding on to that it's so obvious that you're just so hateful of pittsburgh that it's not even funny uh because it's just as easy to say this is a horrible classless act as it is for me to say well they were just paying homage to the guys that just saved demar hamlin's life last week prove me otherwise yeah you want to talk There's about classless zero. 
You want to talk yeah. about classless? It was that Green Bay Packers player. First, the Green yeah, Bay Packers player. First. That's classless. Yeah, the Green Bay Packers player that pushed the training staff when he came on the field this week. Mm. Yeah, and then his former teammate, his former college teammate, who then also went after the trainer. Yep. Quay Walker, and then I don't uh, know the other guy. Lyman. Yeah, the defensive lineman, both from Georgia. They and you want to know how I know some of the people? And it's it's most some of the people are just Steelers haters. Because they shared that that every time, but I haven't seen one of them say anything about Quay Walker. Yeah. Attacks? Come at me. Come at me. Yeah, attacks a medical staff person, and you got nothing to say on that? Yep. That's, we're going to leave it there. We, we try to not talk about this kind of stuff too much, but when, when it's honestly disgraceful for the players that are having a good game and... Like I said, I'll admit that they probably weren't thinking in the moment, and I will admit that, and you know whatever. But to say that they're a classless act and they're yeah. disgusting, get over yourself. Get off your it's high just horse. Being a sore loser, and realize you they were having your fun. Butt handed to you. Your team was literally getting murdered. They were trying to save you with CPR. Give it a rest. Give it a rest. With that being said, uh, draft position update. No, uh, you know what? We're gonna stop there, James. I want to go over something that I almost forgot. The end of the okay. year. It's the end of the year. Yearly stats. Let's look at these real quick. Okay, man. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Completion, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, 389, or excuse me, 245 completions on 389 pass attempts with a 63% rating completion. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was 117 of 180 for 65. Slightly better completion percentage. Obviously, Kenny Pickett played more, um, had 2,400 yards compared to just over 1,200. They both average between six and seven yards per pass attempt or per, per completion, whatever. Um, Kenny averaged about seven yards more per game, six yards more per game. Uh, Kenny threw seven touchdowns to nine interceptions. Mitch threw four touchdowns to five interceptions. Kenny was sacked 27 times. Mitch was only sacked 11 times. Um, again, not horrible. Not It's kind of whatever. The best QBR on the team came from Chase Claypool, one for one. Uh, for a touchdown, he's not on the team anymore, whatever. <laughs> and let's be real, these numbers on Kenny Pickett are including a game that he got injured on the first drive and didn't complete a pass. So that's factoring into his yards per game, which horribly skews it in a yep. negative direction, uh, not to mention he had two games that he only played a half. Correct. Uh, so it's basically taking two full games of play out of his average yards per game. Uh, so... That's something to think about when you look at those numbers on there is that it's uh, when you take out the game that he he was injured on the first drive and then pulled on the second drive, drastically better yards per game than that that shows at the 184. Uh, But let's talk about this rushing team, man. So uh, best player on the team, obviously, in the running game was Najee Harris this year. 272 attempts, 1,038 yards with a 3.8-yard average, seven touchdowns, two fumbles. Uh, real nice season for Najee. Uh, yeah. And it just got better as the year went on. You could tell that he was definitely dealing with an injury uh, early on in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And then you look at freaking Jalen Warren, the undrafted rookie, uh, 77 attempts for 379 yards, averaging 4.9, almost five yards a carry, and had the one sole touchdown. Uh, and only one fumble, and that happened in this last game, if I'm not mistaken. In the last game. Yeah, um, in the last game. So, phenomenal on him. Kenny Pickett, 55 attempts for 237, 4.3, three, touchdown, three touchdowns, three fumbles. 
Luckily, lost none of those fumbles, so that's a plus. Um, yeah. Ability to get the ball back. And then you got a couple of guys that I don't want to go through the entire list here. You got Benny Snell, Steven Sims. But it's worth talking about Benny Snell, at least with 20 carries, 90 yards, four and a half yards of carry and a touchdown. Yep. Uh, that was basically almost all in one game. Uh, so Benny did put together a nice performance this season, I thought. Very limited playing time. Uh, took full advantage of it and looked well. Uh, and although the numbers are not gaudy, Derek Watt, nine carries, 21 yards, and a touchdown, uh, seven for eight on third down conversions, uh, and then also converted to touchdown on one of the other attempts. Yep. Uh, so basically eight of the nine rushes were successful rushes. Correct. For either what converting the goal a first was. down or converting a touchdown, Yep. Uh, which is absolutely incredible. And Cody and I talked about this briefly before the podcast, but we're definitely going to throw it out there now. We're okay with them bringing Derek back, man. I was I was opposed to it. I was all on board with moving forward, switching Connor Hayward over to fullback. Uh, Derek's success with the offense was excellent this year. He wasn't used that much, but it was drastically more than last year. And Connor's success with where he's currently at. Yeah. Let's be real. And He's we're going to get to that. We, we'll get to that yeah. at some point. I don't want to forget George Pickens, three rushes for 24 yards and a touchdown as well for him. Uh, good stat line there. And then you, we go to the receivers. Deontay Johnson led the team in um, yards, but it's only because he had the most. I mean, he was thrown to roughly 50 more times than any other player on the team uh, yeah. with, with 86 receptions. For 882 yards, 10.3 average, zero touchdowns. Again, we went over that in the in a one fumble. George Pickens, 80, or excuse me, 52 receptions for 801 yards, 15.4 average. Pat Fryermuth had 63 receptions for 732 yards, 11.6. Again, uh, George Pickens had the four touchdowns. Pat Fryermuth had two. Chase Claypool had one while he was with us for the short time. Najee Harris scored three times from receiving. Uh, Connor Hayward, here we go. 17 receptions for 151 yards, a 12.6 average, and the one touchdown uh, that happened against Atlanta. Uh, almost identical to how his dad scored in the end zone. Um, so crazy mm -hmm. to see. That. And again, if you want to go further down, we can. I'm not overly concerned no. with it. Zach Gentry no, got involved. I don't think involved. it's really necessary. Sims, the only other uh, significant contributor this, yeah. this season. Sims and Gentry. And Gentry had 19 catches on the season. Yeah, and Derek Watt with the five receptions on five targets for one touchdown. So, got to love that. Yeah, man. He was, uh, he was in a very efficient player for us this season. Yeah. Um, drastically increased role, even though it's still not a significant number of touches, right? Uh, but very, very successful in those touches. So got to yeah. be very appreciative of his efforts. No doubt about that. Yeah. So Miles um, Jack led the team in total tackles with 106 or excuse me, 104. Um, sorry. Cat's being crazy behind me. Uh, 104 tackles, 96 for Minka Fitzpatrick and 81 for Devin Bush. That rounds up the top three guys. Um, sack leaders, we you obviously know who's number one. That's be Alex Highsmith with 14 and a half. Cameron Hayward came in at 10 and a half. And then TJ Watt at only five and a half. Uh, again, rough year for him. You had a couple guys sitting at two, including one Terrell Edmonds. We're not going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Arthur Marlette. Uh, and this is why we think that Pittsburgh's going to address the defensive line. Uh, it, early in the draft, I think first or second round, one of those first three picks is going to be a defensive lineman. 
because you did not get enough out of the other defensive linemen not named Cam Hayward, not even close. Yeah. Uh, Especially and- when Larry Joby had one and a half on the season and – one came in this game and it was a definite face mask. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. not even down close. by the helmet. So he had one. He had a half sack that was legitimate on the season. That that one shouldn't even count. Yep. On that and one. for and I want to point this out real quick because I think this matters for the legitimacy of podcasting and reporting on teams. We're not just always going to root for the Steelers to have higher stats. When we talked about TJ Watt last year, should have broken the NFL sack record. It's because he should have, and they didn't counter play as a sack. We're telling you yeah. right now, Larry Ogunjobi, as a Pittsburgh Steeler, should have only had a half sack because one should not have counted because of a face mask. We can Absolutely. admit that. <laughs> just trying to yep. balance the the reporting here that we're not always just for the numbers and just for the Steelers. When we make mistakes or things happen, we're, we understand that, you know, the opposite way. Um, interception leaders on the team, Minka with six, Levi with four, Cameron Sutton with three, and then TJ Watt had two, and they were both freakish, <laughs> freakish interceptions yeah, to say were. the least. Oh boy, were they? Um, and then only because there's uh, a short list after that: Demonte Casey with two, James Pierre, Killer Witherspoon, and Arthur Mollett all with one. Did we cover the forced fumbles already? No, I did not go over forced fumbles yet. Okay, so Alex Highsmith five forced fumbles on the season. Last I knew, he was one of the leaders in the entire NFL. Uh, don't know if he ended up winning that title or not, but he would have been one of the top ones if he did not win that. Um, and then a bunch of guys with one, T.J. Watt, Arthur Mollett, Cam Hayward, Tay Crowder, but he didn't get with the Steelers, and then Chris Wormley as well. Yep. Uh, so that's all your turnover guys on the season. We definitely take that. And then that's going to – I'm not going to go over um, special teams per se. I mean, I'll go over, I'll go over Boswell. I'm not going to go – we kind of talked about um, how Presley Harvin had a better second half of the season than this and that. Uh, Chris Boswell was 18 uh, extra points made and 20 field goals, 78 points total. Again, I don't have his specific stat line, but they just they just go over scoring I, on here. You have I that? I got you 20 of 28 on the field goals okay. and perfect 18 to 18 on extra points. Perfect. Uh, so, so a little bit struggling on his field goal percentage this year in comparison to previous years. Usually only misses a couple of field goals. Yeah. Uh, but perfect on extra points. So, yeah. So again, to break this down, Pittsburgh started off the season with a win at Cincinnati, a, a team coming off a Super Bowl uh, loss. We won only by three points. And then we went on to lose four straight uh, three games against AFC uh, East teams and one against a division rival Cleveland Browns. We got a lucky win, in my opinion, against Tampa Bay, Tom Brady. Uh, and then we lost two straight before going into the bye week against Miami and Philadelphia. After the bye week, Pittsburgh turned it around. We talked about this. You know, we beat New Orleans. We did lose to Cincinnati in another close game, only by seven points. Pittsburgh put up 30 points for, I believe, the only time in the entire regular season uh, against Cincinnati and still lost. And then you had uh, two wins at Indianapolis and at Atlanta on the road. That was great. We lost to Baltimore the first time we played them, uh, 16 to 14, a two-point game. That's kind of what you expect. And then we went on a little winning streak at the end uh, at Carolina, 24-16, versus the Raiders by three, 13 to 10, against Baltimore. What, four-game win streak? Did I say three? Four in a row, man. That's four in a row. Way to end of the year. And then we beat Baltimore 16 to 13 again, coming back and being a division rival, and then coming back and beating Cleveland after we lost to them early in the season. I, I, this is where James and I talk about the momentum going into next season. You saw the team turn it around late in the season. You saw the improvement from the offensive line, from Kenny Pickett, from a, a lot of 
areas and players and things. Alex Highsmith having a phenomenal year. Minka being Minka. The only, the only downfall of this, in my opinion, is Deontay. Deontay just kind of stayed yeah. Deontay all year long. Uh, and it's unfortunate that that's the case, but it is what it is. So it I am excited stinks, for next man, year. Because you, you went into the year thinking wide receiver was one of your strongest positions. In the end of the year, saying wide receiver is one of the biggest question marks. Yep, because we trade uh, Chase so, Claypool away. Deontay's yep. Deontay, and, and you lost yep. Calvin Austin the third before he even had a chance to step on the field. Yep, never got a chance even at a preseason game. So uh, very interested to see how the offseason shakes up there. I won't be surprised uh, if Pittsburgh adds another draft pick at wide receiver uh, just to, to get some depth back going in that room, man. Uh, you look forward absolutely to seeing what we have in Calvin Austin the third, but it's tough to say that he's a guaranteed thing. And there's a big question mark at the number three wide receiver. Steven Sims really put a nice effort in late in the season. Not enough, in my opinion, to cement him in any way. As no, not to cement. To, to cement him yeah. coming back, absolutely. He'll be back. Yeah, he should make the team, absolutely. I agree 100% on that. Uh, Gunnar Olszewski should be worried about making the team next year. Yep. Uh, especially if they bring in a, a wide receiver in the top three rounds. That's going to... Uh, bode poorly for him and then boykin's a free agent and i think next next week we'll probably talk about the free agent list give you guys an idea what's going on there and really jump into that i don't want to turn this into a one hour long no, show here it's we're already there it's already there it yeah yeah we're probably getting close as it is so let's get into the draft status that we know now uh, and wrap up today's show so with all the teams that are eliminated we do know Pittsburgh's draft picks currently are. So the first round pick will be the number 17 overall pick. Uh, we got a huge assist from the Houston Texans and Chicago Bears. And now Pittsburgh holds the first pick in the second round due to the Bears losing and the Houston Texans unexplainably winning, <laughs> costing them themselves the first overall pick. Uh, but this is that opportunity we talked about for the last couple of weeks. Now, if this were to somehow happen, Pittsburgh holding that first pick in the, in the second round, which is technically the 32nd pick due to the Dolphins and their transgressions. Uh, a lot of times teams after the end of the first round will give up the farm to get that first pick in the second round and get that one guy that they can't believe didn't go in the first round that they were sure was going to go in the top 20 picks and he's somehow still there they'll give up all kinds of picks to try to get to, to that spot so that could be a huge opportunity for trade back gaining a lot of capital and really helping build a deep team in the future and then that final second round pick is at number 49 so that's three picks in the top 50 yeah incredible for pittsburgh they've never had this as long as i've been a steelers fan i don't think um in real opportunity at 17, I think you could see the top tight end still be there. One of the top interior defensive linemen that could play opposite Cam Hayward could still be there. Oftentimes at 17, the top interior offensive lineman has not been selected yet. You could take the best guard slash center talent in the whole draft at 17. Uh, so there could be some real opportunities to, to get best player at a position at that point in the draft and, and oftentimes best safety isn't picked yet by them yep. too. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on this. We'll keep you guys in the loop with what we're doing again. This officially kind of starts our off season, uh, knowing that we are not in the playoffs. We will still give up to date uh, news about the NFL and the playoffs. We'll, we'll do that briefly on Mondays as we continue to move forward. Uh, Fridays are going to be available just in case of a special podcast. If something happens, that's newsworthy breaking news. Uh, we still will push out episodes on Friday. 
if nothing happens throughout the week that we don't think we have enough or enough reason uh, to put an episode out on Friday, you still can expect these episodes every single Monday throughout the off season. Um, Absolutely. So we're super excited. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Subscribe and ring the bell. It's free. And until next time, this is your host, James and Cody, signing off. Peace.